Once again, I would like to reiterate that this podcast is not intended to be an extremely elaborate or detailed account on any of the events that I cover over the course of the podcast. It is only intended to be a crash course on the events that took place. If you would like to find more detail, feel free to research anything I'd talk about yourself. I do encourage it. Enjoy. All right, welcome again to Tanner Talks About Stuff That Happened. I'm Tanner, and I'm going to be talking about stuff that happened. This is a podcast where Tanner talks about stuff that happened. This is a history podcast, and we are going to talk about some history today. This is the second chapter of the quarantine, uh, the second episode of the quarantine chapters, where uh, my state is essentially quarantined. I released the last episode about four days ago, maybe five days ago, and we are uh, in those 5 days we have become significantly more quarantined last episode restaurants were still open and now uh we're anticipating a shelter in place in the next maybe 2 days or so 24 hours california is on full lockdown several other states are probably going to follow very quickly i'm sure new york city's going to follow pretty quickly <clears throat> this is a crazy situation so I'm going to keep releasing episodes as often as I can because I'm stuck in my house for a lot of the day um, and I need something to do. So I love history. I'm going to keep reading about it instead of getting consumed by video games or social media. This is, I feel a lot more productive. So today we're going to talk about, this episode is a little bit more tongue in cheek because several days ago on Wednesday, <clears throat> it is now Friday, and on Wednesday we had a... Uh, in my home state, we had an earthquake. It was it was the first earthquake uh, I've ever experienced. Uh, I know there's a lot of places in this world that experience earthquakes pretty pretty frequently. This was the first that I had ever experienced. It was a 5.7 magnitude earthquake, and it lasted a little more than 10 seconds. It was it was crazy, um, <clears throat> and it was kind of exhilarating to be honest. So this episode is a little bit tongue in cheek. Uh, but we are going to be talking about today the San Francisco earthquake of 1906 and the ensuing disasters that followed. So, let's get right into it. Today, uh, the San Francisco earthquake is our topic. And, you know, there have been hundreds, if not thousands, of earthquakes in Northern California. Well, in all of California in the last century. So, waking up to have your windows rattling and your doors shaking is not extremely uncommon to the San Franciscans. They, a lot of them would probably sleep through it, to be honest. But today I'm going to be talking about one big earthquake that took place in 1906, with the epicenter being off the coast of the city. Uh, probably the most destructive catastrophe in San Francisco history. Uh, I may be wrong about that, but but from, from what I've read, it seems to be that this was the single most destructive catastrophe of all of San Francisco history, uh, maybe maybe with the exception of the Great Chicago Fire of 1871. Uh, I don't know for sure. I don't know what, you know, there could be comparison about city sizes or things like that, but... <clears throat> But from what at my research so far, this seems to be one of one of the most destructive uh, events of U.S. history. So uh, before we get into it, there is some science that needs to be understood. Uh, I believe that understanding all factors of a situation help you appreciate uh, what everything that happened. So, uh, well, most of us learn in middle school, maybe elementary school, maybe high school, at least in the United States. Um, is that the Earth's crust is made up of enormous tectonic plates, and these plates are constantly moving, smashing into one another, uh, 
getting slipping underneath one another, sliding alongside one another, changing the face of the earth every single day. And there are three types of plate boundaries, divergent, convergent, and transforming. So divergent plate boundaries separate from one another. They're pulling apart from each other, uh, sending magma bubbling to the earth's surface, creating structures like the mid-Atlantic Ridge or uh, rift mountain ranges in... <clears throat> Mo particularly this is this can be seen in on the mid-atlantic ridge in the atlantic ocean uh, convergent plate boundaries colliding directly with one another creating big mountain ranges like the alps the himalayas the rocky mountains and transforming plates that are sliding alongside one another which is what we're familiar with and which we'll be talking about on the san andreas fault line uh in california now there are subsets of classifications in each of these uh, but but to keep it simple um which is you know the purpose of this podcast uh, that's the basic science that we need to understand. This is not a science podcast. This is a history podcast. And a lot of history people don't love learning about science when we don't absolutely need to. Um, but, you know, some people like me like to understand everything. So, <clears throat> anyway, uh, our story takes place along the San Andreas Fault Line, which stretches from the Salton Sea in Southern California, just uh, just miles from the U.S.-Mexican border, all the way north to Cape uh, Mendocino on the, or maybe Mendocino, I don't know exactly how to say that, uh, on the Californian coast, 200, mi 200 miles north of San Francisco, uh, nearly 800 miles from the Salton Sea. And while this is a distance to be admired, it's good to remember that the mid-Atlantic ridge in the Atlantic Ocean caused by the North American and the South American plates diverging from the African and Eurasian plates, um... This spans a distance of about 10,000 miles or 16,000 kilometers. Tectonic plates are arguably the most powerful the most powerful force on this planet, and when their wrath is unleashed, entire cities can be leveled in only a matter of minutes. So on an, uh, on an early morning, uh, April morning in the year 1906, the residents of San Francisco were sleepily rising and preparing for work as they would on any other Wednesday morning. In less than 100 years, the city had grown from a sleepy town on the coast of California in the year 1800 to an up-and-coming city in the year 1900. There had been colleges established that would become the University, University of California, San Francisco. The city's famous cable cars had been established beginning in 1873. In the 1860s and 1880s, the city expanded to the surrounding areas, establishing the Western Edition, the Haight-Ashbury, the uh, Eureka Valley, the Mission District... Basically, San Francisco began to be referred to as the Paris of the West, and with the creation of the San Francisco Stock and Bond Exchange in 1882, the city was experiencing a modest economic boom as immigrants flocked to it. It was a good place to live. Um, but on that early Wednesday morning in April of 1906, that all changed. So uh, at 5.12 a.m. local time, the ground began to tremble. The San Andreas Fault began to shift, and for 20 seconds, res residents rose from their beds in bewilderment. Now, this wasn't the huge earthquake yet. This was a precursor to the earthquake, and the earth was trembling a little bit, but it wasn't quite an enormous quake yet. So this 20-second interval was called a foreshock, and it didn't hold enough strength to cause substantial damage, but after those 20 seconds, the trembling of the ground turned to violent shaking and swaying as the quake was measured... Uh, 7.9 on the Richter scale, battered the city for over 40 seconds. Now, the earthquake I experienced uh, on Wednesday only lasted 10 seconds. 40 seconds is a pretty long time, and I, and I can only imagine that it would last a whole lot longer for people who are experiencing it. 
So residents started fleeing to the streets as windows shattered and beams were splintered. Bricks were cascading downward off of walls. Entire walls were crumbling into the street. I've seen pictures and it looks like somebody just grabbed, maybe a giant or someone grabbed the wall of a house and just pulled the entire thing off. The rest of the house is intact, but the wall facing the street is completely ripped off. It's it's a crazy thing to see. Um, now for a decade preceding this quake, small quakes had been occurring occasionally and or sporadically so these san franciscans were familiar with periodic shaking this was not something completely new to them but this particular event was something bigger something a whole lot bigger than they were used to so at 5 13 a.m the earth finally stopped trembling and everything returned to a, a relative peace though there were a few aftershocks in the um in the coming hours one was pretty substantial around 10 a.m uh this was the end of the absolute worst of it um stunned the residents began wandering in the streets it was over but uh, but actually it wasn't so um the earthquakes were mostly over but there was something a whole lot bigger that they had to worry about at this time so minutes later smoke began to rise over the city gas lines were not a technology that had been perfected quite yet i mean there's still not a technology that was that's completely perfected but they're a lot more sturdy than they used to be and particularly particularly in a place like san, san francisco they had not been designed to withstand the force of an earthquake um they were rudimentary uh, in construction in the year 1906. They just, they weren't designed to handle that kind of shaking and dozens had ruptured during the carnage of the earthquake. So as steel collapsed, gas started wafting into homes and sparks from crumbling metal began to ignite over 30 fires throughout the city. And ultimately these fires would damage or destroy 25,000 buildings across 490 city blocks. And adding to this, the earthquake insurance was not a commodity at the time. It's a commodity now and most, uh, most catastrophe insurance covers the cost of earthquake insurance. Uh, but at the time, these were all separate things. Earthquake, a lot of insurance companies did not cover um, damage from earthquakes. So... A lot of people decided that the best way to collect from the damage from the earthquake was just to burn their houses to the ground. And there are a lot of reports of people burning their own houses in the chaos so they could collect the insurance money. And also adding to the turmoil, fire departments were kind of inexperienced with dynamite at the time, and they were attempting to destroy buildings to create fire breaks. If you're familiar with things happening in Australia right now, the enormous fires that happened earlier this year, uh, they would dig huge trenches to try to stop the fire so there was nothing to burn. This is kind of what the San Francisco Fire Department was attempting to do. They were trying to create blocks that the fire could not cross, but they were inexperienced with how to wire a building to completely demolish it. So instead of demolishing buildings, they would catch a lot of buildings on fire, making this a lot worse than it already was. So these fires lasted about four days, um, and the last of the fires were finally snuffed out uh, April 22nd. The fire started uh, April 18th. The earthquake is April 18th, and the fires were finally snuffed out four days later. Um, exact estimates vary depending on your source, but the death toll from the earthquake and fires likely exceeded 3,000 people. Um, a lot of these, this death toll is probably a lot higher because a lot of the deaths happened in Chinatown, which was shoddily built. Um, it was an immigrant, 
uh, an immigrant center in the city and the city did not take very good care of it and they didn't account for a lot of the deaths that happened in that portion of the city. So it's probably higher than the estimate of 3,000. And among the buildings destroyed were the famous Palace Hotel, which would be rebuilt eventually, and the Grand Opera House, which unfortunately would not be rebuilt. The Metropolitan Opera Company in the city lost all traveling sets and costumes, and probably the one of the biggest tragedies of the uh, catastrophe was the biochemical laboratories at the California Academy of Sciences, along with all their records, were destroyed. Um, there was there was a there were several scientists who banded together to try to save as many specimens as they could, notably in the botany sector. Um, a lot of rare plants, a lot of rare uh, specimens of that sort, they were saved, but much of the laboratory was completely destroyed. And the flag used in the 1846 Bear Flag Rebellion, which was a precursor to the annexation uh, of California from Mexico, it was an independence movement in Mexico. That flag that was used during that rebellion was destroyed. And this whole fire was, in essence, a national tragedy. Uh, out of a population of 410,000, over 250,000 were left homeless. The U.S. Army built... Uh, 5,500 relief houses to accommodate 20,000 of these displaced people. Not nearly enough, but it was an effort. And uh, the U.S. Army rented these relief houses to people for $2 a month until rebuilding of the city was completed. Uh, they were 720 square feet and built of redwood and fir trees. These relief houses were grouped in 11 different refugee camps, and the population of these camps peaked at 16,500 residents. Uh, so luckily they did not become overcrowded, as was pretty common for relief camps uh, and refugee camps in the world at the time. Um, but also that you begin to wonder what happened to these other 200,000 plus people who were left homeless. What happened to them? Where did they stay? Uh, but the last of these camps was closed in July of 1908, two years after the earthquake. So they rebuilt the city fairly quickly and there was a place for all these people to go Um in relative speed. They were not stuck in these refugee camps for years and years and years on end. Um, estimated property, lo property losses from the disaster were about $400 million, which equates to over $11 billion in 2019. Insurance companies eventually paid out $235 million, equating to $6.69 billion in 2019. And this was between 137 different insurance companies. 20 of these companies would go bankrupt because of the fire and uh, all in all, approximately 80% of the city had been completely destroyed. Uh, during the emergency, 4,000 federal troops were deployed and these troops were instrumental in containing the panic of the situation. They would often instruct passing civilians to help clear rubble. This was known as commandeering a civilian and this still happens today. Um, they would instruct them to guard important government buildings and assistance with them, also assisting in rescues throughout the city. And uh, unfortunately, reports of looting by soldiers also surface in the madness when put in control of a situation swiftly deteriorating into complete pandemonium. Uh, it was hard for these soldiers to resist the urge to take advantage of their post and their power to use it uh, to make the situation worse instead of try to make it better. It's unfortunate, but that is what happens occasionally. Um, in April of 2006, 
11 survivors of the fire gathered in San Francisco to commemorate the 100-year anniversary of the fire, complete with a National Geographic documentary, religious services dedicated to the memory of the fire uh, and earthquake, and a projection of fire onto the historic Coit Tower in the city. And in 2005, the National Film Registry added San Francisco earthquake and fire April 18th, 1906 in a newsreel uh a newsreel of the catastrophe. This was added to the uh, organization's list of films worthy of preservation. So this this uh, national tragedy did not uh, go unremembered, uncommemorated. This this is something that goes down in San Francisco's memory. And um, the governor of <clears throat> California and the mayor of San Francisco at the time, they did uh, have speeches shortly after the fire that said, we will rebuild we are a resilient people, but also a lot of people accuse them of downplaying the situation um, because they needed immigrants. They needed people to come to San Francisco in order to continue building it. And if they were to completely go off about how terrible this tragedy was and how long it would take to rebuild the city, a lot of people wouldn't want to move to San Francisco. And so the people in charge decided that they were going to downplay it so people would continue to move to San Francisco. And they, as you can see today, they did move to San Francisco. San Francisco is a, an enormous city at this point in time. In later years, we see the emergence of Silicon Valley as uh, a nationally recognized place, internationally recognized place of uh, ex extremely large tech businesses, um, a lot of startups. It's, it, it's, a very common place to live in America at the time. So the San Francisco fire did not, the earthquake and the fires did not completely destroy the city. Well, it, it did completely destroy the city. It did not completely destroy the resilience of the people living in the city. And uh, not only do the fires and the earthquakes, not in my opinion, not only should the fires and the earthquakes be remembered as catastrophes, but it should also be remembered that the people of San Francisco decided to band together and rebuild together instead of decide that it was not worth trying to save. So this has, uh, that's, that, that pretty much spells the end of what I was going to talk about today. Thank you for joining me again on Tanner Talks About Stuff That Happened. This was a shorter episode. Again, uh, I'm going to try to make the quarantine chapters a little longer. Unfortunately, this, this particular episode was difficult because a lot of the records of the fire, um, well, a lot of, it was, it's, it was difficult to chronicle the records of the fire because, uh, people were panicking at the time. Um, and most of the records of the fire, uh, are lost to history or lost to journals of private journals of people who have only been passed down to their posterity. So it was hard to find a lot of firsthand accounts of the fire, but, um, thanks for joining me today. Uh, this was a fun one and join me next week. I'm going to be talking about the bubonic plague and that's going to be fun. That's also a little tongue in cheek, but I'm excited to learn about that one. Thanks again for joining me and join me next time on Tanner talks about stuff that happened.